Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, He is our redemption, right? Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We're glad that you are here. And uh, we've been on a series called Emmanuel, God with us, and we're going to continue that today. And hopefully next Sunday morning at 1045, you can be back with us, and we're going to have a, a great candlelight service with our regular service on Sunday. Bring a friend, bring the family, bring the in-laws and the outlaws, bring them all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, we love your holy word today as uh, we read it and we hear it in our hearts. And God, we just thank you for all of the blessings you've given us. And Lord, in the midst of a difficult week and a season where many things are going on around the world that we don't like, you're there, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. So the last two Saturdays, Carrie and I have traveled to watch our little five-year-old granddaughter play basketball, and if you've ever watched a four- and five-year-old basketball game, it's very exciting. So the, the, the score this week was seven to one. And you think, how do you score one point? Well, everybody starts out with one. No one gets a zero. It's like a participation trophy. So we, we went to the mall on Friday, and, you know, it's fairly crowded, and then we, we drove by on Saturday, and there were cars everywhere. I mean, every, every spot was filled, and they were parking on the grass. And I'm thinking, Lord, thank you that I'm not here today. And if you have any knowledge about the holidays, or you out amongst all the stuff that goes on, you know it can be pretty challenging. So let's do a little poll here. How many of you have got all of your Christmas shopping done? Okay, boy, y'all are really good. How many of you will try to finish it up between now and Friday? Okay. How many of you will wait till absolutely the last moment to do your shopping? Okay, usually men are holding up their hands at that point. So I heard this, that women are so used to the pressure of Christmas and shopping that uh, their blood pressure never goes up. But if you ask a man to go do the shopping, their blood pressure really goes up. So guys, if your wife says, I need you to go do some shopping at the end of the season, you have to say, are you trying to give me a heart attack? What are you trying to do to me here? So we know it can be a very disturbing and stressful time. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. After the first service this morning, uh, Mark and Debbie came up to me, and, and they complimented me and said, you know, appreciate the sermon. Let me tell you a story. Our, our granddaughter took a, a student from Nigeria back to the airport, and she asked the question of the student going back to Africa, said, do y'all celebrate Christmas in Africa, Nigeria? She said, yeah, but it's more about Jesus than the presents. Whoa, how, how do you know a little checkup from the neck up from overseas over there? Well, we know the real meaning of Christmas, don't we? If you have your Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read what Matthew wrote in his gospel. This is verse 18. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was betrothed, pledged to be 
Mary to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, a just man, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, that's what Matthew writes about that beginning of the story. Now, think about Joseph just for a minute. If you had a fiancé, if you are engaged to be married, and before the marriage ceremony, your fiancé came up pregnant, would anybody here have an issue with that? Y'all are so holy. Would anybody here have an issue with that? Sure, and Joseph did. And it took an angel to convince him to take Mary to be his wife because she's pregnant before the marriage ceremony. So I got to thinking about this. Some of you guys, like me, you would need an angel, a burning bush. You'd want Warwick Lake to part. You would want the next fish that you caught to have a golden coin in its mouth. You'd want the sundial to go back backwards just to fulfill you know, what the scripture said because Joseph is in a tough place, isn't he? And now the Lord is sending a message to Joseph. No, this is the plan of God. And, you know, this amazing story has really changed the world. Think about this. From the first Christmas, our world has been changed because of Christmas. I mean, I think nearly every nation in the world in some ways celebrates Christmas. I saw this survey the other day that in America about 96 to 98 percent of all Americans celebrate Christmas in some form even atheists agnostics and people who don't even believe in Jesus they're still celebrating Christmas because there's something unique about Christmas there's something about the story of the Messiah Jesus Christ coming and being birthed you know, one of the things that really struck me through what Matthew writes in the gospel about the Christmas story and Dr. Luke writes it and then other biblical accounts, one of the things that really stood out to me was the little things. Say that with me, the little things. How many of you know little things can turn into big things? And in the Christmas story, the first thing that we have is the little place. So what's the little place? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Matter of fact, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 really says this, but you Bethlehem Ephrathath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old from everlasting. So this one who's coming is really not new, new to us in the form of a baby in the flesh, but how many of you know he has no beginning? He's always been, according to the prophet. But it happened, listen, in the little town of Bethlehem. And we sing about it. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. You know, our hopes and fears are all met, you know, with you this night, talking about that little bitty place. 
When my son Matthew went to college, he went to the University of Oklahoma, and they have well over 20-some thousand students. And as you can imagine, there are students from all over the United States and the world. And they come together, and they're trying to get to know each other. So people would ask Matt, this is what he'd say to me. He said, Dad, people said, where are you from? And I'd say, I'm from Comanche. How many of you know 99.9% of them does not know where Comanche is? So they would say, well, I don't know where that is. And he, his response was, well, you should. It's right between Loco and Coram. <laughs> that narrows it down for you. But listen, Bethlehem, this place is really, really small. Most scholars believed it was less than 2,000, and most believe it was less than 1,000. It's about six miles south of Jerusalem. Today it's about 28,000 people there. It is really ruled and regulated by the Palestinian Authority. Most of them that live there are Muslims now. Matter of fact, Randy and, and, and Mary and Carrie and I, we were in Jerusalem uh, really a couple of times. And uh, one night when we were trying to get out, I thought we were going to be stoned. Uh, have you ever seen those guys with the scarves, the, the, the white and the black scarves? And uh, I, I was happy just to get out of Dodge, I'm, I'll tell you. But at the time that this story is written, Bethlehem was very, very small. Most, most people believe maybe somewhere around 1,000 people. So if, if I could give you a little context. So if we're thinking about Bethlehem, this little town around 1,000 people, let's compare it to what we know. Ninikal, Temple, Ringland, um, Maybe the entire Empire City, which is not much of a city, but about 900 people live in that area there. We, we could say, well, you know, uh, Granfield, Allen, Oklahoma, is any of these towns ringing a bell for you? So do you think anybody around the world knows where Temple, Oklahoma is? Or Allen, or Granfield, or Empire? So that's what you have. So you have a little bitty place, and the prophet said, though you are little, this is where God's going to do a miraculous work in this little bitty town. This is the area where Jacob buried his wife, Rachel. This is where Naomi and Ruth came back from uh, their travels over in Moab. They came back and settled there. That's where Boaz is. That's where David came from, the city of David. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Isn't it interesting that the place Jesus was born, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He was born at the house of bread. How many of you know God has a plan? And God has a way of weaving this together in this little bitty place. But not only is it a little place, if you remember, when Mary and Joseph got there, there were little accommodations. Now, why are they in Bethlehem? They don't live there. They actually live up north in Nazareth. But Caesar imposed a tax. How many of you know the IRS has been around for a long, long time under different names? So Caesar said, we're going to tax the Roman Empire, and you have to pay the tax at the place of your nativity. Where's your family from? Do you know that, that Matthew and Luke both give the genealogy of both Joseph and Mary to fulfill Scripture, that both of them are from the house of David, from the tribe of Judah, very, very important to fulfill prophecy? And listen, 
This is something that we need to know that the Bible is absolutely accurate. And the Bible is saying what we see coming to pass in this Christmas story. So they're, they're coming back to where their families originated from. They come back to pay taxes, and everybody from that area is coming back. And we know the story. There is no room in the inn. The Hilton's full. Holiday Inn Express is full. Ramada Inn is full. Lights flashing. No vacancy. No vacancies there. And so this is what we know. With no accommodations or very little accommodations, Jesus was born somewhere where they kept animals. Now, we don't know if it was a stable or a cave. There is a church in Bethlehem called the Church of the Nativity. And in the bottom of that church, and we've been there, there is a grotto where there is a cave, and that cave, they believe, is where Jesus was actually born. And in those caves, we've been in some of them, the ceiling's darkened, it's black, where they would you know, build a fire to keep warm. They would keep their animals in there. Can you imagine the, the smell of urine and manure? And there's the hay, and there's a feed trough, and that's where Jesus was born. Small place, little accommodation, and here Joseph is taking Mary back to pay their taxes, and she's pregnant. I mean, it's getting to the point where it is time to have the baby. And listen, when it's time to have the baby, how many of you know it's time to have the baby? And all the women said, Amen. Amen. So you ever heard us guys say, well, we had a baby. No, she had a baby. You were just there. I, I remember when our boys were born, uh, our doctor was in Chickasha. Well, listen, we're an hour from Chickasha. So Carrie, she came to me and said, Mike, it's time. I mean, we got to go now. So we load up in the car. We're headed to Chickasha, which is iron away, an hour away. And I remember we're a few miles away from Chickasha, and Carrie said, I'm not going to make it. And I said, oh, yeah, you're going to make it. <laughs> she said, I don't know if I can make it. I said, honey, I'm not delivering this baby in this car. You're going to make it. And, of course, we did make it. We got to the doctor. Everything was fine. But listen. Can, can you imagine trying to find a place when she is just about ready to give birth and the only thing you can find is where the animals are kept, a, a stable, a cave? How do you know when it's time, it's time, you got to find a place. And there they are, and they lay the baby in a manger. If you don't know what a manger is, it is a feed trough. Now, folks, I got feed troughs, and, and we feed cattle, and it's not pretty. Their old long tongues licking in that trough and all kind of stuff they do around that trough. And Mary and Joseph trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Listen, Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in a capital city. We just heard about that. He wasn't born in royalty or in regal situations or accommodations. He was born in a little town with no accommodations, in a place where they kept animals, and they laid him in a trough. That's how he came. Isn't that amazing? And he changed the world. So if anybody says, well, were you born in a barn? Jesus said, yes, I was. 
I was born in a barn. So Bethlehem, little accommodations. And then there is this thing about how God came. A little baby boy. A little baby boy. You, you see, this miracle of God in flesh kind of blows our mind. It, it, just, it just seems like, how can that happen? And listen, the Bible says it's a mystery. How can the everlasting God, the master of the universe, creator of all things, wrap himself in flesh and come into our world as a little bitty baby? Let me tell you what we gotta watch. He's not a messenger from God. He's not an ambassador of God. He's not just a representative of God. He's not a holy man of God. He's not just a prophet of God. He is God. He's God. And the Bible says he's Emmanuel, what? God with us. Now, in this story, when you look at this, Jesus knows what it's like to have a human experience. He knows what you and I go through from diapers to death. He knows. The struggles, the pain, the joy, the disappointment, the human experience was experienced by Jesus. Everything you go through, life, death, tragedy, joy, Jesus knows what it feels like. How many of you are glad he knows what it feels like? I mean, Mary and Joseph had to take this boy who's God in the flesh, they raised him, they protected him, they provided for him, and now they're going to take him to the temple. He's circumcised on the eighth day, and as the law says, when her purification's over, they take the firstborn to the temple and dedicate to God. Now, what happened when they did that? Well, there were two little old people there, little town, Little provision, little accommodation, little baby, two little old people. Now, who are those? Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. How would you like to go somewhere and a stranger comes and gets your baby and lifts him up? That'd be different, wouldn't it? Simeon, if you read it, he was promised by God that he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel. So here's this older man. God said, you're not going to die until you see it. When Mary and Joseph come into that temple and he sees that little baby boy, the Holy Spirit had to say, this is him. The reason he's there that day, the Holy Spirit led him to that temple at that exact time to meet baby Jesus. And he lifted him up, and he begins to prophesy, if you will. He begins to speak over him. Let me give you some of the words in his own language that I've condensed. This is salvation. This is the light. This is the revelation. And this is the glory. 
Now, if Mary and Joseph had any doubt that what they'd heard in the experience was real, now someone they don't even know is coming and saying, this is him. And not only was it Simeon, look with me at verse 36. There was a woman there, a prophetess, that was old. Now, if you read this, you can interpret her age different ways, but she's somewhere between 84 and 105 years old. 8405. So she is at the temple. This is verse number 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings, prayers, night and day. And coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So what is she saying? Here's the baby, here's redemption right here. So this older lady comes and does this right after Simeon. What is happening in the mouth of two or three witnesses? Let every word be established. So she is confirming what Simeon has just done in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, let me just share this. If you have a pencil and paper, you might want to write this down. It's the irony of Christmas. The irony of Christmas. So if you look at the irony here, the temple is coming into the temple. You say, I don't have a clue what you just said. Well, let me explain it. So Jesus is with his disciples. He's looking at Herod's temple, which Herod allowed them to build. And he said, one stone will not be left upon this temple. And they said, well, no, wait a minute. We've been 40 years building this. And you're, you're telling us that this temple is going to be torn down? And then Jesus would say later to them, he said, tear down this temple and I'll raise it up, what? In three days. You know what he's talking about? He wasn't talking about that natural temple. He's talking about his body. So I found this odd. Mary and Joseph take the baby to the temple. The temple's going into the temple. You find that odd? It, it's a play on how this story goes. Here's another one. How many of you have heard that's a rags to riches story? Okay, we're voting. Wake up. We're voting. How many of you have ever heard it's rags to riches? You know what Jesus' story is? It's from riches to rags. He, he left the glory of heaven. He left the splendor of heaven. The Bible says, though he was rich, he became poor for our sake. Do you know what they wrapped him in? They wrapped him in strips of cloth and swaddled him up. He went from riches to rags. Here's another one. In the days that uh, men thought they were God, do you know that the Caesars thought they were God? And the kings of Babylon, Assyria, Medes, Persians, the Greeks, all of them thought they were God. But in the days when men thought they were God, God became a man. Isn't that amazing? There's so much good things about this Christmas story. When there was no room for him in the end, he provides room for us. John 14, in my father's house are Many mansions. He says, you can come to me anytime. Matter of fact, everybody who comes to the Lord, guess what? How many of you believe he's got a place for you in heaven? 
We didn't have a place for him down here, but aren't you glad he's got a place for us up there? Hallelujah. Here's another one. While he had come to save mankind, mankind was trying to kill him. Herod killing all the babies. And all through his ministry, the, the religious people trying to kill him. And he, he came to save us, right? And it seems that Christmas brings out the good in people and it brings out the bad in people. Have you ever been to a Black Friday sale? <laughs> brings out the good in people, brings out the bad in people. You know, for a lot of people, Christmas is not a happy time. It's a depressing time. It's a sad time. It's a challenging time. You know, every Christmas, as we've seen this week, there will be somebody that will not celebrate Christmas with us this year that was with us last year. It happens every year in this church. It happens every year nearly in every family. They were with us last year. This year, they've gone on to glory. They're, they're not with us. Th that can be happy in one way. It can be very sad in one way, can it? It's the first, the first without somebody. You know, about a week and a half ago, Carrie and I, I, I put the tree up about a week or so before. So in our, in our house, we had a tree. No decorations, just a tree. Had lights on it, just a tree. So Carrie had worked that Tuesday, and then she was called out to the hospital again. That Tuesday night, she was on call. She had to go back. And that Wednesday, I'd worked, and then I, I spoke Wednesday night and taught, and then I, I went home. I got home about 9 o'clock or so. And she was already in bed. I mean, she's a morning person. I'm a night person. You know, she gets up at 4. I don't. Sometimes I remember when she goes to the hospital, sometimes I don't. And sometimes she remembers when I come home, and sometimes she doesn't because she's already in bed. So I thought, so that Wednesday night, I thought, I'm going to decorate the tree. And she's going to get up the next morning and just be so happy I decorated the tree. So I, I thought, okay, I'm going to decorate the tree. And I thought it won't take long. So the next morning, she said, how long did it take you to decorate the tree? I said, I came to bed at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Longer than what I thought. So I got the boxes out, and, and I got ready to decorate the tree. And when I was decorating the tree, I had all kind of emotions. You ever do that? I mean, I was happy, and then I had to fight back the tears. You know, there, there's these little ornaments that says, baby's first Christmas. Does anybody ever have any of those? And so that next morning, we got up, and Carrie, she went over to look at it, and we were looking at all the baby first Christmases, and she said, I remember when I bought this one. She said, it's been a long time ago, and she said it cost $20, $30, that baby's first Christmas, and she said, we didn't have $20 or $30, but I bought it anyway. God will provide, right? And, and then we put up, you know, ornaments for the grandchildren, and I put Nathan's picture, you know, up in the tree. And, and then there's all these ornaments, you know, you've collected all over the years. And then there's that yellow star that Aaron made out of plaster of Paris. And he painted it gold. And it always goes up on the top of the tree. And you have all these memories and all these emotions that just flood you. And then in the last several years since we had grandkids, we buy these ornaments that have little buttons and they do things. How many of you got some of those? Okay, nobody but Carrie and I have those. 
They sell those at Hallmark if you want to get one of those. And so you, you push the button and, and it tells the Christmas story. Or you push the button and it's the little drummer boy singing part of the, the song. Or you push the button and there's a scripture that comes out. There were shepherds abiding in the field. And, 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 that, and then we buy some that are, are you know, a little different, uh, like uh, there's a hippo. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. So I hung all those about this high. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Because I, I want the grandchildren to come in and push the buttons, but I also want to save the tree. And so they can come and push the button, and, you know, there's a Santa that says, Have you been a good Christmas boy and girl this year? Are you on my list? And... You know, then there's the Tin Man singing, you know, the Wizard of Oz, and, and then there's, you know, a minion, and you can't understand anything he says, <laughs> but he's singing. And so we have all these ornaments, and, and so I'm doing that, you know, early in the morning, somewhere, you know, between 11 and 2.30, and I'm smiling, and I'm laughing, and I'm tearing up. Christmas is like that, because you got feelings, you have emotions, and sometimes there are people that just struggle through Christmas, and I get that. I read a story this last week. Ira Sankey, you may not know who that is. Ira Sankey was the song leader and the hymn writer for Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody went uh, across the United States and England preaching crusades. Many thousands were saved. And Ira Sankey was his music guy. And he wrote hymns, and he actually compiled a collection of hymns that really brought the hymnal to America. He's one of the people who was instrumental in that. Some he wrote, some he didn't. But we're talking about hymns like Lily in the Valley and, uh, you know, The King is Coming, Oh, What a Savior, some that we really love today. But one Christmas Eve, Ira Sankey was on a, a steamship, a boat, and on that Christmas Eve, some people there on that boat knew who he was, and they requested him to sing a Christmas song. So he got up in front of the people that were on the boat, and he sang beautifully this Christmas song. Of course, that's what he did, was he was a great singer. And he sang the Christmas song, and one of the guys on the boat came up to him after he sang, and he asked him some questions. And he said, were you in the Union Army in 1862? And he said, yes, I was. And the questions got a little bit more intense. And he said, were you at this place? Well, yes. Well, did you ever do guard duty as a Union soldier? Yes, you know, I was out at night being the guard. And as the questions got more intense, finally he said, why are you asking me these questions? He said, because I was in the Confederate Army. And I was a sharpshooter. And one night, at this certain place, I saw the Union Guard standing position. And I raised my rifle, and I was going to kill him. I was the sniper. But all of a sudden, before I pulled the trigger, this Union soldier began to sing. And he sang so beautiful. And I sat there in the darkness and the stillness of the night and listened to him sing. And as he sang, I laid my rifle down 
And I asked Jesus Christ into my heart. And it changed my life forever. You never know. You never know how God moves and how he moves. What a a wonderful story. So here we are. We're embracing the Christmas season. And we're on the verge of the last week before we gather for Christmas. And I want to tell you that the greatest gift we ever got for Christmas was Jesus. And and there's been some really rush, must-have Christmas presents. I'm going to give you some, and you'll probably recollect this. 1983 Cabbage Patch Doll. Can anybody remember that? 1985, Pound Puppies. 1989, Game Boy. 1995, Beanie Babies. Wow. 96, Tickle Me Elmo. Then it was the iPod, the Wii, the Kindle. 2017, Frozen. I have a little granddaughter. Sometimes if I hear Frozen one more time, (laughs) I'm going to scream. It's, it's frozen, it, it's, you know, AirPods. You know what it is in 2023? You, you talk about deja vu, 2023, and I was astounded at this. You know what the two most popular toys are? Barbie, because of the movie, and Furby. Who would thunk it? I mean, we, we're just in a, in a cycle, aren't we? But listen, the, the most important gift is none of those. The most important gift is Jesus Christ. You see, that baby in the manger is Emmanuel, God with us. Let me break this down as we close. God, Almighty God, Creator God, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the the one who spoke to Moses out of the bush, the one who came to Abraham, the one who was born in a manger. God with, near, present, close. God with, personal, us. That's you, that's me. God is with us. Not only is God with us, if you're a believer, God's in you. If you're not a believer... You need God in your life, your heart, because the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. As Matt so eloquently said, you can't be rich enough, educated enough, smart enough. You can't be popular enough. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to make heaven. And God came down to us with the gift of salvation the gift of redemption through him so all of us could be saved. For God so loved the world, not half the world, not part of the world, or you you think it's chosen in the world, God loved the world. That's what the word said. And the world has to respond to God. For he gave his only begotten son. If we believe in him, the Bible says we can make heaven. We can have salvation. I want you to bow your head with me. This morning, as we get ready to go our separate ways, I want to just ask you a couple of questions. Number one, are you saved? Do you really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
not church, not religion, not denomination, do you know Jesus Christ? Because without him, you're not going to be saved. So today, if you want to know him, if you want to receive him, or if you've wandered away and you've got a little cold and distant, he's still right here, God with us, and he wants to be in your life. So whether you're coming the first time or coming back to the place you should be, if that's you, would you just lift your hand with mine and say, Pastor Mike, I need to get my life right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I certainly don't want to miss you. And here's the second question. You may be here today and you're saved and you're going to go to heaven and you've made Christ your Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. You understand that? And He's in your heart. This is what I know. In the world we live in, there's some real challenging things going on. Maybe today you are despondent, you could be depressed. Could be today that you're in a real storm in your life. Could be marriage, could be with your finances, could be a health issue. I believe Jesus is just as powerful today to touch our lives as he was 2,000 years ago. How many of you believe that with me? So if you are in a struggle, if you need help today, if you'd like for somebody to pray with you, would you lift your hand with mine right now and say, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me today? Would, would you just pray that God would help me through what I'm going through right now? Would you stand with me all over the house? We have some people that's going to help us pray. And I'm going to ask them to come and stand right here at the front. And if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, if you have a need in your life, I want you to come and I want you to stand here and we're going to pray together. If that's you, just make your way up here. Come on, we're going to wait for you. Some of you raised your hand and, and I'm going to wait for you to come. Let's give these folks a hand right now. Come on. Every person that walked up here, I'm sure there's a need in their life. Now, if you'd like to help us pray, I need 40, 50 people to know how to pray. Would you gather up around these folks here? Let's pray, and then we're going to leave. Hang with us just for a moment, and let's pray together. Come on, you're welcome to come and help us pray right now. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. Come and stand with them. Let them know they're not alone today. We're going to pray together. Come on, church, direct your attention up here and in your own way. Let, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're our God. You're the mighty God. And Lord, today, as we pray over each person that's come forward today, we pray that you encourage them, you help them. God, you hold them up by your everlasting arms. And God, whatever they're going through, God, we're praying that you're going to be with them as only you can. We're praying for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in each person's life today. Lord, lead them, guide them, bless them. And God, let them leave changed as they exit this place, knowing that Emmanuel, God with us, is really with us. And Father, we thank you in the mighty, awesome name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? God bless you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. 
Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.